Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode four of Technological. Today, we have a special guest, Chris Caruso, who's currently a software engineer at Microsoft. Uh, with Chris, we really talked about three main things. Uh, how to recruit for a software engineering position at, big, at a big technology firm such as Microsoft. So this includes having passion projects, going to the job fairs that are at your universities or colleges, uh, learning the skills that you need to through classes, because this is really important because it's emphasized in your different coding interviews. Uh, we also talked about what it's like to move from a junior level software engineer role to a senior level software engineer role and how you have to think about upskilling yourself in different ways, including not just focused on hard skills, but also focused on soft skills and working with other people on the team. Uh, lastly, we talked about what the differences are between a product manager and a software engineer and how Chris really thought about his career uh, starting out of college and figuring out, do I want to do software engineering or do I want to do product uh, management? Um, so give the podcast a listen. And if you enjoy it, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel. Um, and if you feel that other people will enjoy it too, don't hesitate to share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, um, and just get the content out there. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Technological Podcast. We've got Chris Caruso here, who we all went to uh, high school with, actually, and, and he's here uh, from Seattle. Um, and Chris is currently a software engineer at, at Microsoft. So we really wanted to get into, you know, his draw to software engineering, um, some of the stuff around what he does on a day-to-day -day basis, how others can break into the, to the field um, and how you can really grow your career. So with that, um, you know, I'll hand it over to you, Chris, why don't you, if you could introduce yourself, um, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me uh, on the show and, you know, it's awesome being here and seeing all these old faces. That's great. Um, yeah, so like you said, I'm up in Seattle at Microsoft. Uh, been bouncing between um, teams these last few years and uh, I'm senior uh, engineer here. Um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, the gist of it and we can get into the, all the details. Yeah, awesome. So why don't we go into, you know, uh, maybe your journey from, from high school to college, why you, what you studied in college, and then um, how you got into to software engineering, and then how that led you to, you know, Microsoft. Yeah, uh, so, so when I asked myself what, yeah, what ultimately led me down this path, and it brought me all the way back to probably the end of middle school or the beginning of high school, um, and Actually, you know what, even further than that, uh, it was when I was younger and I, I love to like take things apart and um, you know, try to understand how they worked. Um, this kind of is more of the general engineer in me, I guess. Um, and then you know, one day ultimately I landed on the question, you know, how, does, how does that program or that piece of software that I'm using work? And uh, started learning about that and uh, went down that path and that journey and uh, found that I really liked it. And, you know, it's, it, it clicked with me. It was kind of magic that you can, um, you know, make something that people use out of nothing that's useful. Um, you know, like mechanical engineering, you have to have like all these, you know, uh, machines that can be dangerous and stuff. And, you know, maybe for people that had access to that, that, that would be their thing. And I can see that. But uh, for me, I had a computer. My dad worked for Microsoft. He was in the tech, you know, world. And uh, I had access to 
you know, the tools like Visual Studio and, and things that professional software engineers had. So I use those tools and um, I was able to teach myself from an early age and really get into it. Um, so that's what led me up to like getting started. Um, C Sharp was like my first programming language. It was all like passion project driven, you know, it's like, how do I go? I wanted, I want this thing to help me out. Um, typically it was hand in hand with like video games. Like I'm an avid like video game player and uh, it's like, oh, I need this thing to go do that uh, to help me. So I learned how to, you know, do that stuff and uh, it grew. Um, when I was in high school, took AP computer science that kind of fueled my passion more. It made it very clear that I was like, you know, good at what I like to do. Um, good like confidence check and skill check. Um, I did FBLA. Wow, this is a long time ago, uh, but I think it stood for Future Business Leaders of America. And uh, yeah, I did um, the desktop like programming one basically. And uh, we did some like, they had us do some statistical software and I, I won like state and went to nationals and I uh, had a lot of fun with that. So I think that ultimately cemented my like path in like at least, you know, learning how to code. You know, software engineering is, you grow into that. That's a very different thing than just coding, of course. Um, but it's the foundation. And I think, you know, having that like self-taught passion uh, put me up for success in this path. Awesome. Yeah, I remember, you know, just like growing up with you uh, and hanging out with like our, our friend group back in the day, like you're always into computers. And I, I, I remember you like even put together and made your own computer and stuff like that. So um, I, I think like you always had an interest in, in computers and, and technology and stuff like that. So I think I, I hear a lot about people who um, have that interest, who get into development, uh, software development eventually. Um, but could you talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about high school, what you learned there, what you did there. What kind of classes did you take in college? And would love to know how those classes prepared you, if at all, to be a developer. Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, this, this touches on the difference between like, you know, college and the real world uh, when you get a software engineering job. And so, you know, when you go in freshman year, you don't know anything, of, you know, it, some people have an idea. And like, I certainly had an idea of coding, right? Um, and uh, so the classes that you take at the beginning are very introductory. And uh, for myself, um, those were like, I, you know, breezed through them, I knew everything in them. Um, so then I started to seek out, you know, the higher level courses for things that I, I didn't know. Um, so, you know, data structures and algorithms were something that you just don't really learn, like when you're doing your own kind of like passion projects. And, uh, I mean, you know, maybe some, but, um, you know, you're not going to think of like, how am I going to traverse a graph in the most like optimal way? <laughs> like, uh, but I mean, maybe some people do, but I, I didn't. Um, so the, the classes were yeah pretty instrumental in understanding those like key, you know, pillars and um, yeah, data structures and algorithms was a big one. Um, one that really has stuck with me that I would highly recommend anyone, you know, trying to, you know, pursue software engineering uh, to do would be to take a programming languages course. Um, I, I really, really loved that class where it's not just about learning programming languages. In fact, the, we only learned one programming language in that class, but the, the core part of the class was building your own programming language. And that has stuck with me like for a very long time and like influenced like a lot of 
what I've done, um, even though it's largely unrelated, it's been able to help with that. So uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you'll take the other courses like operating systems, um, you know, distributed systems. There's a whole bunch of technical classes that you'll have to take and, um, you know, just keep an eye out, uh, like, you know, to anyone listening to this, keep an eye out, you know, what draws your interest, that'll be important later. Um, and double down on what you're interested in is my recommendation as you get into your like senior year and you have more of those open slots and you can pick more of your specialization. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And um, the classes you take in college also, like I, I studied computer science too. And like a lot of the classes I took, any software engineering job or interview, they kind of translated directly to like what you have to know for your interview. I know like data structures and algorithms is like a fundamental part uh, for all the software engineering jobs and like interviews that we went in for. Uh, so I'm really curious. So now you're in college, right? You know, you want to be a software engineer. How did you think about what company you want to work, wanted to work for? And like, you know, like, do I want to go work for a startup or do I want to go work in like, for like a bigger tech company and how you kind of went about, you know, like finding your job and um, I guess like in the end choosing it too. So. Yeah, that, that journey um, began fairly quickly for me. I think uh, quicker than, than it does for most. Um, it was probably six weeks in to me starting my, you know, first semester freshman year. Uh, they, you know, the, I think, you know, every school has like a career fair kind of thing going on, like in the fall, probably early fall. And um, so I went and attended it with, you know, some of the friends that I had made. And, um, you know, Microsoft was always one that, I mean, it's just, it was a household name because my dad worked there for so long. And um, so, and then there were a bunch of other companies as well. So it went there. Uh, you know, talk to the companies, talk to the recruiters, um, you know, saw what kind of opportunities there were. And uh, the Microsoft recruiter, you know, was like, yeah, like, um, actually, you know what, I got a, my, my friend and I got a private audience with the recruiter for Microsoft. I'm not sure under what circumstance, but I remember we were able to not talk to them just on the, you know, the floor with everyone who, and, you know, they're just collecting resumes. But um, so, you know, we got to, I got to talk to her and I was telling her about all of the passion projects that I was doing. And, and that's what really caught the recruiter's attention, I think. And um, so she was like, cool, can you like give me a resume? And I was like, yeah, let me go make one. <laughs> so I went home that night and uh, yeah, typed up a resume. With, it was basically just a list of passion projects that I had carried over from high school and had started on in college and over the summer. So that was my resume. And then that impressed them enough, I guess, that they were able to you know, argue for me to go up to do an onsite interview. Um, and uh, actually there's probably a phone interview that I don't remember in between. And then, uh, yeah, went up there, did the onsite and uh, yeah, the rest was history. Um, I had to obviously like study in between, um, you know, for the interview because, so like I was saying, you know, you, the first freshman courses are introductory, right? So those, you're supposed to just be learning like, you know, how do I, what are keywords in a programming language? How do I fit this all together? How do I think like a programmer? Um, but like the interviews that you have to do really take it to a different level. Um, and they expect you to be able to do, write those algorithms that you don't know at a freshman, you know, six weeks in at least. Um, so I had to ramp up pretty quickly with that, um, you know, through things like cracking the coding interview. Um, uh, we can talk more about this later, but you know, like leak code exists today that didn't exist back then. Uh, you just had Google uh, friends, a whiteboard and cracking the coding interview. Um, and then you had to kind of just practice a lot of that. And um, so that led me to my first internship with Microsoft, my freshman summer. 
Um, and uh, so it was, um, I got the, they told me, you know, the team that I was going to be assigned to. And they're like, yeah, you're going to be working in this like um, business, like data processing team. I forget how they worded it, but it sounded like so dry to me. I was like, mm, like, I hope this is going to be like fun. Um, but uh, everything worked out like as like the best it could because um, I landed on the this team. Uh, it wasn't called this back then. It was it's called Power BI now. It's the team that I'm working on, um, and it was a really small team back then, like 13 people, um, and uh, led by like Nick Caldwell, who's he's the VP of uh, Engineering at, at Twitter now. So uh, he's gone a long way, but yeah, he was my direct when I first started. He was my direct manager, and uh, the team was super passionate, full of like you know all-star team. Um, almost like a startup basically at Microsoft. And I was just, you know, thrown into the pot of learning and exposure to that culture. Um, and that really like, you know, hooked me. Um, the work was good um, and the people were really what made the, the team what it was. And that's something that I've cemented like uh, throughout my career and learned that the people really are the team. And the work is like something that comes with the team. Um, in terms of enjoyment on the team and like your success, I think. Um, so that was my first summer. Then they were like, oh yeah, you want to come back like, you know, for another internship. And so I, uh, I was just like, yeah, like, okay, I'm going to come back. Like, this was a lot of fun. So didn't do anything. I didn't have to do anything. I just had the offer in hand leaving Microsoft. So I just knew that I was going to go back to Microsoft my second year. After my second year, um, the team had grown and um, they were like, it was still a ton of fun. Um, and, uh, I was also kind of thinking more about, you know, are there other opportunities? So, you know, I did look at other companies, um, but ultimately, like, I just felt like, I don't know, I felt like I had found like a home on that team and I knew I could just go back to that team. So, uh, that's what I did. I just went back and then, um, my senior year, I really kind of got into this, um, mode where, uh, I was exploring my own ideas um, for like startups potentially. Um, like we did, uh, my friend and I, uh, my friend Ben and I did um, Startup Weekend. Uh, I forget who hosts, I think it might be, I believe it's Google. I'm not sure though. Um, and it's basically a hackathon focused on starting a business. But my friend and I, I always took it as like a hackathon, technical hackathon. So we did something, we came in first place. And um, that was a lot of fun. And then we did it again, my senior year. That, so the one I won was my uh, junior year, I guess. And then, so my senior year, we did it again. We didn't win, but I did this machine learning thing and that was a lot of fun. Um, and it was like actually a really um, interesting idea that I thought had like a ton of business potential. And it, like it still does in this world of, you know, growing um, machine learning interest and applications. Um, and then uh, there were a few other ideas um, that we like executed on around um, IoT. So there were a bunch of these like startup things that I was like, oh, do I want to go do a startup or do I want to, you know, go take my Microsoft offer? Um, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, it came down to I wanted the stability uh, that Microsoft provided, and um, you know, being a, a three-time intern at Microsoft, they give you, um, you know, it's a nice package, obviously, and uh, I was pretty happy with all that. And um, I did look at other companies then too. And yeah, I went back to Microsoft because of Power BI um, and the people there. Um, just, I learned so much from those people and uh, I continued to. So that's what led me to Microsoft.
from college. Um, yeah. Awesome. I think I think one one cool thing there that you mentioned is for people trying to stand out, right? Who are maybe CS majors or some technical major looking for internships or new jobs. Um, working on interesting projects, right, outside of work is what really draws um, attention to, to recruiters, right, in companies. So, um, yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah, I, I, I honestly look for this myself. It, um, pat, uh, projects, uh, you know, extracurricular, I'll call them extracurricular, that sounds like a very formal word, but, you know, projects that aren't related to, you know, anything official like school or something, I, I find that those are the best projects that I look for in a candidate because they show passion. Um, at least, you know, that's my, I'm reflecting myself onto the candidate at that point, but I think it's a good indicator for good candidates where um, passion is necessary for software engineering. So I look for that for sure. And, uh, you know, the best way to do that is just put your projects open source on, on GitHub. And, um, you know, that's what I do with mine. And it gives the interviewer and yourself a good talking point. And if you're lucky, you might even get to show off what you did to uh, or interviewer and that's like best case scenario because then they're looking at your real code you know it's showing not telling um that's like a big thing in my interviews and yeah do you mind just giving a few examples of like what some of those passion projects were that really caught the recruiter's attention back yeah um so i did um so i really got into machine learning at one point and uh mainly my senior year um i honestly don't remember the projects that Got, caught their attention and they definitely grew in magnitude over time. But um, I can talk about maybe one of my favorite ones and you know, kind of just display the passion that comes from that. Um, so my senior year, I really got into deep learning and, and um, deep into like, you know, how do neural networks work? You know, what's the math behind them? How do I apply them? What problems can I use them for? How do, what, what can I solve with these things? And um, I wanted to actually during my first internship at Microsoft, um, my manager, Nick, set me up with someone at Microsoft Research because I was interested in Microsoft Research. And uh, he was like a director over there and he was telling me about some of the awesome work he was doing. And he was like, yeah, we're working on, um, you know, a machine learning um, system that can uh, produce like a caption for a video. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like really advanced. That's like very hard. I don't know how I would do that. Um, so that stuck with me for like a couple of years. Um, and then finally, when I got in, got the machine learning bug, I was like, I wonder if I can tackle that problem. Now, mind you, this wasn't my first problem that I tackled. So I had a pretty good idea of things at that point. But I was like, can I take a, a data set of GIFs and can I try to produce like captions from them? And um, so I, I, the code's up on GitHub. You, you can check that out if you want. But um, it's, uh, yeah, basically just a, a deep learning uh, neural network that takes a GIF and gives you a sentence and describes it. And it worked pretty well. It was a pretty big success. So I, um, I was happy with that and I learned so much from it. And it showed like the upper limits of um, machine learning at the time to me. Of course, you know, what is it? Four years later now, like the heights have gone like, you know, orders of magnitude more, but um, it was exciting to be in it at that time and learn that. And so that was something I found that I was passionate about and I doubled down on with the passion projects and now it's on GitHub. Yeah, that's awesome. I think like like starting a niche that's showing passion and then actually going and tackling those problems is is like a big thing, right? Like you want to show you have interest and that's the best way to learn is just like, you know, tinkering with the code yourself and actually working through it. Um, we're gonna have to get your uh, GitHub username and probably link it in the bottom so people can go check it out. Yeah. Uh, 
but I, I do want to kind of jump into like your role now at Microsoft and kind of like when you like as a as a junior level like software engineer like what did your day-to-day -day look like and also can you just kind of describe the product that you were working on so like we know what Power BI is but some of our listeners might not sure, have worked yeah. with the product yet or like you know know exactly what it is so yeah um so I'll I'll briefly talk about my journey at Microsoft um, and we can go into detail later if you have questions with that. So um, for my internship right into Power BI, I immediately got reorged. Um, so, okay, so first of all, what's Power BI? Power BI is a um, business intelligence product um, and essentially um, it allows you to visualize and understand data. So businesses have a lot of data and they need to be able to make insights. Um, so, you know, to make real business decisions about it, how are we gonna spend our money? you know, how to, you know, it can be a bunch of things. Um, but it typically, at the end of the day, boils down to dollar signs. Um, and sometimes if you're looking at a big table, that's not the most optimal way to view things. So Power BI has a bunch of different ways you can visualize this through different visuals. Um, you know, anything from like a line chart to a scatter plot to like a map. Um, you can throw these together in like reports and um, dashboards. Um, we have other solutions where you can, um, that allow better data processing. Um, so really Power BI is an end-to-end -end, um, solution from I have data to I wanna make insights and business decisions about it. And we try to fill whatever that gap is in between. Um, and there's, from a technical side, it's very interesting. So that's why I find myself here so often. But um, so I started at Microsoft, immediately got reorged um, to another team uh, called Dynamics 365 for Talent. Um, so that was, a Actually a good move. At the time, I was kind of disappointed by it because it took me away from Power BI. Um, but uh, the reason it was a good move was because it was to a team that didn't exist. And what that means is there's a ton of opportunity. It took my, so my whole team got reworked, not just myself. So what that meant is we got lifted from our current product and it's new directive, you need to go work on this new thing. Um, which was exciting because I got to play a bigger role in it than I ever would have if I just joined Power BI because everything's done you know, uh, deployments are set up, builds are set up. How do we pr actually productionize this thing? You know, like setting up the whole tech stack is done for you. You just do, you know, your small little features and then that's that would be work normally. But with um, shifting to this new team, I really had that opportunity to grow like exponentially more than I would have been in, in a normal role. So my junior role may not reflect a normal junior role, but I can talk about both. Um, so a typical junior role, you'll come in and you're expected to still be learning things. So, you know, you'll be working with um, a lot of other team members to get your work done. And um, so it's essentially like a, a ramp up time, but you're still, you know, you're still doing product things with that. You know, you might be fixing bugs, doing your smaller features, um, but your scope is small and your impact is also lower, relatively speaking to higher roles. Um, you know, one of the things that you typically see when you go up is um, a good proxy for it is uh, impact, the impact that you have on your team and the product. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, <laughs> sometimes I just get lost. Uh, but um, so, okay, yeah, so what does the next level from a junior look like? Um, you expand more scope, essentially, you start to take on um, more pieces of a feature. Maybe you're doing the whole feature. And as you grow, um, so by, by SE2, at least at Microsoft, you know, roles are different. Um, 
levels.fyi is a good way to kind of get a comparison between different companies uh, in terms of what that level relates to. So an SE2 at Microsoft typically is expected to be able to take on like a whole feature um, and execute on it. Um, and they have the impact of typically like one to two people you're helping. Um, now, once you get up to senior, you're expected, you know, to definitely like you own whole features and maybe sets of features um, or whole pieces of a product at that point, um, small pieces of a product. Um, and your goal is like more of a tech lead, you could think of it as, where you're leading um, technical decisions. Uh, you still code, of course, um, but you code, you do less coding as you move up, I, I typically see, at least proportional to the rest of the work. Um, you know, as you grow, you obviously get more efficient at your work. So, you know, what, what a senior can do, um, you know, in an hour, maybe what, you know, a junior can do in like a day or something, just because they, they're familiar with the systems, they've done it before. Um, so that journey from junior to senior is, um, and everything in between is really about learning, becoming familiar, and growing your impact um, in terms of people, your product, and the scope of your work. Um, uh, you know, at senior, you typically find yourself helping people a lot more. I find myself doing a bunch more code reviews. Um, you know, I split my day probably equally between coding, um, helping people, code reviews, and meetings. Um, whereas when I started, it was just coding, <laughs> uh, other than the daily stand-up meeting that we had. Um, and then, you know, you gradually get exposed to more of those things as you go up. So those are kind of some of the things you can expect. Awesome. And, and just to kind of build on that, um, like, I guess two questions for you. So, so question number one, you know, for somebody who's just coming into the, you know, junior software engineering role, right. You know, less than two years of experience or, or right out of college, how can they, um, understand, you know, how to grow, um, and, and, you know, make sure that they're growing in the right direction to, to become a senior engineer or someone, you know, more, uh, with more scope and responsibility in the engineer organization. Um, how do they grow? How do they make sure they're growing at the right pace? Um, what are some measures of, of gauge? And then also, you know, what do you think some of the big skills are that engineers should be, um, working on to, to make that journey easier? Yeah. I mean, so for me, it, um, it all starts with passion. You know, you find your passion and you, if you're able to execute that, uh, execute on that passion in a job, you'll just pretty plainly be successful. I think, um, you know, finding the right team and the right opportunity is also important. It's not just about your um, aptitude. It's about kind of luck being in the right place at the right time. Obviously you can seek that out. Um, and uh, so that's something I would look for, you know, good opportunity, good team, where you can have a lot of impact. Um, something that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for getting to the next level, um, you know, being promoted really is about, I'm performing at that next level. So you should just be, you should have that, that title. It's not about, I, I think you're going to get there. So I'm going to give you this promotion. It's, it's the other way around, you know, I'm there. So I have it. Um, so just because your role might be junior, you know, don't act like a junior. Um, you know, constantly expand your comfort zone, uh, take on more scope, um, you know, whether this be independently um, or through like, you know, your manager, um, depends on how hands-on your manager is. There's, you know, a whole spectrum there. Um, if your manager's hands-off, 
just go and do stuff um, after you finished your work. Um, and, you know, like in my first team, I took on like um, the build systems. Uh, you know, I don't think my manager ever told me to go do that, but I did that. And um, by the time at the end of that adventure, I was managing the whole build system in addition to all my other work. And that was kind of like my side thing, as well as um, I helped, you know, build our um, basically the the library for components that we built our product with and um, help build like a, and maintain like the standardized way we did all that. Um, so I really kind of dug myself in and it became integral at, at some point, you know, into the whole product development. Um, and that was just purely through me seeing this empty opportunity that no one else was filling or that, you know, maybe someone needed help with to really bring to its full potential and just go double down on that and execute on it. Um, so that's the best way that you'll find to, to, you know, advance your career, advance yourself and grow as a software engineer. And also it helps you grow as an individual because you'll be pushed into comfort zones where um, say, you know, you know, a lot of engineers, a lot of people, you know, at least in college may not think that you need soft skills as a software engineer and like, oh, you don't like to talk maybe, or you're shy. So you should just go into software engineering or something like that, or you'll be fine. But the reality is you actually have to do quite a bit of talking and, uh, you have to be able to like, you know, very effectively, you know, communicate your ideas, especially very complicated topics. Um, and you also have to like, you know, politics is a thing, right? No matter where you go in corporate America, that doesn't, you know, that also applies to software engineering, of course. So you have to be able to win over people's um, like affection for your ideas. So that's, that's, that's a skill that I am still learning and I probably will be for a long time. And it's something that I don't think a lot of, I certainly never thought of in college. So if I had started on that and pushed myself out into the comfort zone earlier, you know, maybe I could be further with that regard. And so that's something to, to look out for. Um, another skill that I don't think a lot of people think about. Yeah, that's all great advice. Uh, so you touched a few times on, on your day to day. And, you know, you had mentioned like now that you're you're a senior software engineer, you've got like, instead of just doing coding, like coding all day, you're also doing code reviews um, and a few other things like almost mentoring some of the, some of the junior en engineers. Uh, but one like process that we've heard uh, in software and software development is called agile. And I'm just curious, like want to know um, does, if Microsoft uses agile, the agile process of development, uh, but also here, like, you know, if you could explain to our listeners, like, what is Agile? What are what are all the meetings that make up Agile? Um, and then, you know, how that makes up your day-to-day -day and week, that would be pretty helpful. Yeah, Agile is an interesting, um, interesting thing. I think a lot of places will say that they're Agile, but at the end of the day, no one, I think, actually knows what Agile is, um, to be honest. And uh, so does Microsoft practice Agile? A form of it probably. Um, so when I think of an agile process, I think of a process that isn't like waterfall driven. So, you know, everything's not planned, you know, way far in advance um, and things are flexible. That's the key. Um, so, so do we have a flexible development style? Yes. Um, so you still have a PM, you know, who thinks about the customer's needs and comes up with ways to solve those needs in terms of product features. Um, but those typically, um, they, uh, they, I mean, so, you know, developers still have the opportunity to work with that and, you know, add their ideas and inject their ideas. Um, 
so so we're agile in that regard and you know agile has uh, I mean, stand-up is typically like a key component. That's the first thing, you know, um, if you ask me, you know, what my day is, right? Um, we have stand-up. Um, that's the first thing, right? Where we talk about, you know, some people treat it as a status meeting, but really it's supposed to be a meeting about, okay, I'm, I'm blocked on this, like help me unblock it. Or, um, but more often than not, people turn it into a status meeting where it's like, I, I need, I'm doing, working on this. I did this yesterday. Um, this is what I plan to do today. Um, and then, you know, I talk about any blockers and the team helps, helps you with that. Um, it's supposed to be a quick meeting and, uh, you know, find, you'll find that it's scope creeps sometimes often. Um, but, uh, there are varying methodologies and you have to have like a, like a scrum leader typically to organize the whole thing. And someone who's passionate about that to really nail it. Um, but that's how the day starts. And then, you know, the day can branch into a whole bunch of things after that. Um, so yes, coding, um, obviously is a big piece. You have to code to get the features done as a software engineer. Now coding, um, uh, involves, um, not only writing the code for the actual feature or whatever you're working on. Um, you also write tests and you also write like things to do like automation or, you know, monitoring and alerting. So just coding, you know, your actual thing is a, it's not a small part, but it's like, you know, at, at least half. Um, so there's more to it than just that. Um, so then uh, what else do you do? So there's helping people one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, mentoring people. Um, so th this is the life in the day of me, right? Um, being a senior. So a junior may experience less of these things. Um, so, you know, people may have technical questions. How do I do this? How should I go about doing that? Um, you know, they may be stuck with a problem or they may be asking for advice. So, you know, these days I jump on a call with people and you know help them real quick, but you know otherwise you can pair program if you're in the office and that's a great way to effectively you know um, help people. Um, another thing that I spend quite a bit of time doing is code reviews. Um, you know, you being a senior, you impact a lot more people and there's um, you're overseeing a lot more things technically. Uh, so you may have set up the framework for a system and then people are plugging in the pieces. Um, so you, as a, I don't know, at least it, for me as the owner of such a system, I, you know, want to diligently make sure, you know, the, everything going into that is how I want it to be and architecturally correct. And, and, um, you know, the code is clean, well-written, well-tested and, you know, things like that. Um, so, uh, then there's meetings, of course, um, and meetings, um, where, the, where, where those soft skills often come in that people don't think about. So, um, you know, those could be planning meetings um, for like the upcoming like semester of work, or it could be uh, um, syncs, you know, about like, you know, I've got this problem like as a team, like architecturally or this feature problem, like how are we going to solve it? Um, you know, just if you need multiple people, uh, there's a whole bunch of miscellaneous meetings you can have, of course, right? Um, but I guess my point is they're not an insignificant chunk of time as a software engineer um, and neither are the other things um, like code reviews and um, and helping people, uh, so equally as important as coding. Yeah, definitely. And um, sorry, I think that was a really good question around agile too, because I used to be in consulting, and we would just you know go to like some of these like Fortune 100 companies that would try and implement agile, and it was just so fragmented across the board. It was just interesting to see like what worked, what didn't work, and how people kind of adapted uh, like to the new methodologies. Uh, so I kind of wanted to take it back to like how you thought about your career just for one second. I know, so like, I know you studied computer science um, and a lot of 
current computer science students are thinking like how how do they want to take their career do they want to go into software engineering do they want to go into product management um and like i think like some of the questions we get is like how do you think about my career if i did software engineering versus product management like what different opportunities would open up so i would love to get like your thoughts on this and how you thought about it and then a follow-on question to that is like how would you work in like how do you work with pms right now and do you ever uh, like see yourself maybe transitioning to that role or like staying in the current role you're in yeah so yes it ultimately it comes down to you know to help answer this question for yourself um are you a technical person um and do you really love writing code or are you a technical person and is coding like a secondary thing to like a product or the customer um and i think if you answer the question yes to I really like coding and I really like the technical details, then I think, you know, that's where the developer path is the right path. Um, and I, I think a, a, a product manager, um, not being one myself, but I think, I, you know, knowing the people who are there, they, they're the people who really just love finding those um, customer, uh, you know, issues or customer, you know, things that they can help solve, uh, customer solutions, finding those solutions. And um, so if you enjoy thinking about a product more than you do coding it, maybe that's like the litmus test for one or the other. Um, so for me, certainly it's, I like the technical side. Um, so that's the, the path that I've chosen. And I think I'm gonna stick with it. Um, there's a, you know, PMs do quite a bit more talking, I think, than devs. Um, so if, if you don't enjoy talking, to, to a lot of people per day, then that's also another good indicator that maybe dev is the right thing for you. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know, kind of going into where the paths lead once you're technical. Um, there's typically two prongs that you face and you typically face it around like the senior level um, where you have the choice, do I want to continue going technical or do I want to start to think about management? Um, and, uh, you know, that's when you really start to have to ask yourself, how do I want to make that impact going forward? Because um, uh, you, at least at Microsoft, um, you go from senior to principal um, and you can, that's just the, um, the level. You can switch roles though at that point where you can go um, from a software engineer to an architect um, once you've reached the principal level. And an architect is someone who really um, sits back and thinks about the cohesiveness of um, the technical at a high level perspective of a product or systems. And um, so you're doing less coding. Um, you know, there's a spectrum of architects too who do code and who don't, and some spend more time on whiteboards than others. And um, so there's room there for varying degrees, but um, that's kind of like, you know, the technical side and you continue up that if you're very few people do past that, but there are levels where you know, you become basically um, like a technical influencer. You made this thing um, and, you know, you're like the grandfather of this thing. And, you know, you start to influence either a product or technology or something. Um, and you may still code, but you really influence more the direction of it um, as like, uh, you know, you'd think a business leader would, um, but more so from the technical side. And then I, you can still, you can just stay a software engineer, of course, where you just love writing code and you expand your influence um, through writing you know, code that um, you know, helps 
others and makes, you know, promotes patterns maybe that are better. Um, and you, you still sort of play the architect role a tiny bit at that level. Um, but uh, that, that's kind of it for the technical side. I mean, you can, there's a whole bunch of levels, but um, in between, but that kind of gives a taste for them. Um, now you can also go the management um, side, of course. Um, and, you know, that's when you have to ask yourself, do I enjoy making impact through helping people um, and guiding them and, you know, not necessarily telling them what to do, but managing that, like, you know, I have this thing that I own, how can I, you know, achieve that through others? That's the management role. Um, and I've seen managers who still could, so it's still possible. Um, definitely less time, I think, um, because just because of, uh, you know, the reality of how much time is in a day. But um, yeah, that's kind of where those two paths go. And then there's, you know, middle management all the way to upper management. I don't know what, I don't know what like, you know, VPs do or anything. So, um, but uh, I imagine it's, it's, it's the theme of increased scope, I imagine, and impact. Um, so. Yeah, that's great. I think, I think what, you know, to, to kind of summarize that, right, if you're technical and you like to code, a good starting place is to jump into a career in software engineering, right? And then I was going to ask you this, but you kind of covered it, right? As you grow, you could take the path of, you know, do I want to help people and help other software engineers grow? Okay, I can take this manager route, or I can take this IC route, continue to contribute as, as a general software engineer, or you can kind of take this uh, architect route, right? Where you may not be coding directly as much, but you're actually thinking about the right systems to choose, the right technologies to pick to actually build, you know, your product at scale and make sure, um, right, you guys are able to handle the load as your business grows and you communicate with other systems within the, within the company. And, you know, I, uh, just adding a tiny bit to it, um, you know, there are plenty of software engineers that I knew, um, either as interns or, you know, first year in, uh, like engineers, junior engineers, um, who make the switch to PM. So, um, I, I, I'll say it this way, I've seen a lot more people switch from software engineers to PMs than the other way around. I don't know if that's decisiveness or an indicator of decisiveness or anything, or maybe people just realize that they don't like coding all day. Um, so those, I mean, you know, I guess if you're unsure, try out software development and then you can swap to a PM, I think pretty easily because you still have that same mindset, you just do less of the technical. Great, and, and what do you think about like, let's say you're, you're a technical person, you don't want to go into product, um, you don't want to continue to be, be an engineer, but you do want to get closer to the customer. You know, what are your thoughts around a solutions architect or a solutions engineer? Do you, do you see that path being taken? Um, you know, I, guess, I suppose that is another path. Um, I don't know much about it, honestly, and um, I don't really have, you know, aspirations to pursue that, but, um, there is a role, right, where you're more intertwined with, say, sales, and you help cobble together these solutions, say, you know, for example, in Azure, you know, how I, I'm a customer, and I'm coming to Microsoft, I want a solution. And then there's this technical role that needs to be able to go and say, okay, you need this service, you need that service, and then I, let me make a prototype for you and show you how you can do this. And, you know, maybe it makes that sale or breaks that sale for the customer. Um, so that, that is definitely a valid role and a critical role to any business. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's a bunch of other roles like that are similar to that, where you're basically making technical solutions for people. And, you know, you may be 
coding um, not products, but integrating systems. Great. Sweet. Sweet. Um, this is great, Chris. Uh, thanks a lot for your, uh, for your advice on everything from software engineering to career advice to, you know, even projects you were working on. This is, this is super cool. Um, we'd love to have you back on the pod again in the future. Uh, you know, I think there's so much more we could unpack in terms of like the interview process or like, you know, who you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis and what those interactions are like, you know, even maybe getting into this, the politics and stuff like that, or, or what it's like to really like build a future. Um, there's so much more we can go into, but, uh, this was great. Uh, I think we're, uh, we're getting, we're getting a little low on time. So wanted to, to wrap and, and, uh, yeah, pretty much to say thank you again. And uh, for all our listeners, if you have any feedback, would love uh, to hear uh, your feedback either by commenting um, or sending us an email at technologicalpod at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Yeah, Chris, we're going to need your GitHub so we can, uh, yes. we can all go check out your passion project. So. Yeah, I think it's a CH, my, my username is CHCARU. You just do github.com slash that. We can put it in the, the description maybe. But, um, but yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, like you said, there's so much more we can talk to. And the time flew, maybe because I ramble, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, we'd love to come back on and talk about those things in uh, more detail. Cool. Great. See you guys. See you.